Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Unmuted Generations. I'm your host, Ryan Meal, and today's topic is all about balancing personal life with the business. My guest is the father of two boys, a serial entrepreneur, and the author of the bestsellers book, Parenting a Business. In this episode, we chat about entrepreneurship specifically to parents all over the world, encouraging them to use their blueprint of raising kids to open up their dream businesses successfully. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Make sure to smash that subscribe button if you haven't already. And without further ado, please help me welcome Jeremy Cortez. Hello, Jeremy. Hi. How's it going? Thank you so much for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. No, I appreciate it, man. So um, you're not only an entrepreneur, but you're also a parent to two kids. Uh, what are their ages right now? Two boys, five and two going on 30. Man. <laughs> well, go you. And then you also read a book. So I guess my first question is, how the heck do you balance everything? <laughs> uh, great question. I wish I could answer that. Um, it's actually quite funny. Uh, my two year, uh, so I actually wrote the book a week prior. I started writing the book a week prior to my uh, two year old being born. And I wrote for 12 weeks straight after that. Um, honestly, in terms of today and everything that I'm managing, it was actually quite simple and quite profound. I created an ideal schedule um, and I, it was just one of those, well, I only want to sleep six or seven hours. I want three hours for myself. I want to spend four hours at work and I want to spend the rest of my time with my kids. And so I just created this ideal schedule. And then one day I said, okay, let's just try today and see if it's even manageable, if it's possible. Can I get a lot of work done in four hours? And sure enough, one day turned into two, turned into a week, turned into three weeks and it's kind of just about the efficiency. That's the best yeah. way I can put it. Takes 21 days to develop a habit, right? So you're just kind of adapting to that and the process, and now you're just completely comfortable. So that's awesome to hear. Thank uh, you. For people who don't know about your journey and your book, I was wondering if you could go into that a little, and then we could. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So um, I started my first business when I was 19. Uh, my mom kind of groomed me for entrepreneurship when I was 15. Uh, she was a hustler before the word hustler was cool in terms, of, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, she went to grad school, raised, a raised a high schooler, had a job, had a business. So I kind of emulated from her, mm-hmm. um, over the years, started my first business when I was 19, uh, fast forward to today. Um, I had a successful business a few years back and after I hit every goal that I ever wanted, I kind of lost steam. You know, the Mm. passion was gone, the desire was gone. And so I said, well, I'm an entrepreneur, so what's next? And uh, I was curious because I've never written a book before. And I said, well, that's interesting. What do I have anything to write about? And I did. Um, At the time, a lot of my friends who have nine to five jobs, they said, Jeremy, you know, I wish I could go to business school and create a business. And I looked at them and I said, you know, I actually didn't become a real successful business owner until I had kids. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about that. And I said, is there a parallel between the two? And I kept digging down, you know, went down the rabbit hole. And sure enough, I realized that parenting and entrepreneurship are 
very similar to each other. You know, if you hear entrepreneurs say, this is my baby, it's, it's really true that business and entrepreneurship have extreme parallels between each other. And so that's what I wrote a book about. I said, well, okay, this is a topic that I know well. I'm a parent. I've run businesses. Let's just draw parallels. And so I wrote a book about how to start a business, but using parenting terms. Got it. I mean, well, we you we were talking about it. as an entrepreneur, you called your businesses your babies and stuff like that. But I think when most families think of having kids and stuff, they're like, "Oh, is this the right situation for me right now? Will I have enough time to spend time with my kids and also like uh, focus on the business?" Uh, I think a lot of people still think of entrepreneurship as one of the most risky professions. Like it's pretty much all or nothing, and they always hear the stories of like, yeah, I work seven days a week, seven days a week, 60 hour weeks type of things like that. So I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, did you just kind of develop these lessons through starting your first business at 19 and then just kind of learning lessons along the way? I'm pretty sure it wasn't just like a, an easy ride. It, it, okay. As, as with anything, there are ups and downs. I'm going to kind of step back and uncover a lot because you said a lot and kind of things were just firing off in my brain. It's like, okay, we need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Number one, the examples of the world who provide this, I am a successful entrepreneur, I'm going to say are bad examples. From the perspective that if you look at the Elons, if you look at the Steve Jobs, the Mark Cubans, they are, I'm going to use the word anomalies. Yes, people can create businesses, but people are using them as references. And it's like, oh, I can't create the next Google. Well, no one's asking you to. Business, I believe, is an extension and a representation of what you believe. So if you can... I don't know, uh, clean. Let's just say you want to clean houses. And that is, for some reason, your passion. I actually know some people who love cleaning. I, I am not one of them, but I know people who love them. And I just like, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's just where it's like, oh, this is, I'm contributing and this and that. And, you know, I'm, I'm making sure that you have clear space in your head. I'm like, wow, you are so fascinated with clean. And they are representing how they believe they see the world. Um, when you talk about automation, it's because people believe in efficiencies. Um, I myself believe that everyone should be an entrepreneur. And I'm not telling you to be Google. I'm not telling you to be Elon. But what I am saying is that you can design something that will make you happy and that will represent you and what you believe in a business. Now, having said that, working all these hours is a byproduct of interest. Mm. It's not a requirement. Got it. So whenever you hear like Beyonce used to say, I worked for 12 hours and I forgot to eat. That's when you know you're in alignment. I have, I've actually done that. I've, I've done 12 hour stints where I've worked and I, I forgot to eat. And I'm like, why am I tired? It's like, dude, you've been going for 12 hours. It's like, really? Well, I enjoy this. So it's not work. And that's where people can design the business. So where the, yeah, you want to spend time with your kids, but you, it's not that you have to work all these hours. It's that you get to, because it's doing something you enjoy. And to all of those points, the reality is, is that business, the number one thing that I believe parents have, and this is why I target parents, is that parents have the number one skill for entrepreneurship. Solving problems. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's when, when you're a first time parent, even when you're, when you have more kids than one, every, you are going to have problems and it's just, and you know, I've had it where my son has what you call a blowout diaper where the diaper did not hold the contents of what he ever <laughs> let out. And I didn't have a replacement diaper, nor did I have anything to clean up with. So what did I do? Well, you make it work. And any parent can attest to this. This happens. And so you just make things work and you solve problems based on new situations that just hit you every single day. And guess what? If you can solve problems in your daily life, entrepreneurship is easy because you're solving controllable problems versus the problems of a dependent two-year-old or a five-year-old or a 10-year-old, et cetera. Got it. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, being adaptable and, and to every situation, do you feel like there's a lot of people who enter the entrepreneur field and they aren't necessarily focusing on their passion, but they're just trying to like copy a company, like you were saying, you know, trying to create a cash cow per se. There's all types of um, business approaches. If you talk about tech startups, uh, they have a, you know, a specific, they see something very specific, a specific need, and their goal is to scale um, based on automation, based on, you know, access and using technology. Um, you can talk again, you can talk about the mom and pop store who just wants to, or you can talk about the restaurateur who just knows how to cook. Um, I believe that when starting a business, again, this kind of goes back into who are you and how do you see the world? Obviously, if you see that there is a need for something, that's because there is a need for something based on the lack of alignment between what the world is doing and how you see it. So if you see that there's a problem, now the question is, is it a problem just for people under 25? Is it, you know, for baby boomers? Is it just for women? Is it just for this, that, and whatever? And once you see the need, you get to be in control in terms of whether or not you want to scale or not. But I think that we go into the social pressures where I am a now a business owner. And then now it's like, oh, you're a business owner. So you're going to be Mark Cuban or you are going to be Lori Grenier and blah, 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 blah. And there's these high expectations that put so much pressure where we don't grow organically and we put too much ahead of ourselves and we get overwhelmed. Too much Shark Tank, man. Too much Shark Tank. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'm going to start talking Tim Cook and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. And we'll go, we're going to start going other places. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the, I have a couple of friends who started businesses, especially over this pandemic when I, I think they realized in April when we're going to be in this thing for the long run and let's do something productive. And it was the funniest thing because I would see something like, LLC and they would they would post like their their certificate like we're starting this we're going we're going for it and then like a month later they'd get tired and fatigued and the burnout and I'm pretty sure you've experienced that uh yourself uh but what advice would you give somebody to who's who's just starting out I mean you started at 19 a fairly young age what what did what was your business back then Oh boy. Uh, the first business I started was a life coaching business before everybody became a life coach. Mm. This is when no one knew what life coaching was. I and, got you. Uh, what stemmed this was a, I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins. Uh, I've, I've listened to all of his products. I've even went to his seminars. Um, and when I was, I was introduced to his work when I was 18, listening to personal power, get the edge, et cetera. 
And then I hear that he started his business when he was 19. He quit school and did, I'm like, well, if he did that, I'm going to do that. So I quit college and then I became a life coach. And this is when everyone's like, what's a life coach? And then I would hear 40 year olds saying, you are going to tell me about life. Mm. Okay, go. And I'm like, oh, they didn't cover this. Thing. And, and I actually went to certification for this. But my approach to this was actually very simple. I would tell people, I say, look, you're 40 years old, you're 50 years old. You've complicated life because of the experiences that you have you know, endured in life over the years. Would you say that life was simpler when you were 19? Yes. Okay. Well, what if I were to just bring you back to simpler days and I just simplify your life? Mm-hmm. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, and that was my, that was my hook. Yeah. That was 19. Um, in terms of advice that I would give people, it's, it's, I, I was actually talking to someone literally earlier before this. And I said that business is a game of attrition. So I created a photography business back in, I started, I I picked up my first camera when I was in 2008. I started a business in 2012. In 2012, this is when when a DSLR was like the in thing. And then sooner or later, these things came out with cameras that were taking better photos than your phone. So I saw it as anybody who has this is now my competition because now I have to convince you that I would take a better photo than you doing this. Oh, 100% agree. (laughs) So when you talk about oversaturation of a market, my competition was anyone with a phone. So the the reality though is is that all my friends were we were all starting photography business at the same time because it was easy to get into. There was the barrier of entry was very very low. How I saw it though was my goal wasn't to make a million dollars or even a hundred thousand dollars my first year. My goal was to be profitable year over year, and the my thought process was this is going to be a game of attrition. If I stick this out long enough, all the people who started businesses in photography, a lot of them will fall off because they won't be able to learn how to monetize it. And so my goal is just to, if I made $20,000 the first year, let's try and make 30. If I make $50,000 the first year, let's try and make 55 to 60 the next year because it's going to build. And sure enough, by the time I, you know, 2005, 15, 2016 hit. So maybe two, three years later, I was hitting six figures in photography and I was looking at all my friends and they were gone. They couldn't make it work and they had to get jobs. And how I did that was I was actually, again, I wasn't focusing on the money, even though the money was important. I was focusing on growing, expanding my network and just being a little bit more profitable the year after. And all that was based off was having fun. It's so underrated that joy will keep you going. Again, I was I would do 12-hour shoots and I didn't eat. And people are like, do you need to take a break? I'm like, no, let's keep going because I'm enjoying myself. And these were the times that people are like, how did you create this? I'm like, guys, I wasn't working. I was having fun. It just so happens that people were paying me for it. So to make a long story long, the secret to the attrition is just joy and bliss And if you can have fun, if you can figure out how to have fun on a daily basis, doing what you love and learning how to monetize it, this is where the, if you, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life 
And I want to add to that and you will also get paid for it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's really just about passion at the end of the day. I mean, you, I I mean, I'm podcasting right now and obviously I have have an eight to five and I, I talk with people like you after, and a lot of people are like, how do you handle that? Like, that's a lot of work. And I'm like, no, it's just it's just something I like doing. Like, it's enhancing my knowledge. And I love just talking to people and getting their journeys out there. Like, I think it's a very important thing to do. And you decided, hey, you know, after I left the field. So what, what were your goals? Because you kind of mentioned earlier, like, I finished everything that I wanted to do. And I just kind of felt lost. So in photography, so again, picked up my first camera in 2008 when uh, the company called circuit city went out of business. Um, so it's like, Oh, what's on sale? We, my wife and I girlfriend at the time, we went over there, picked up a camera. I'm like, click. Oh, that felt good. Then I was extremely aspirational. So I said, okay, well, I've never made more than $50,000 a year. I want to make a hundred thousand dollars doing photography. I want to photograph celebrities. I want to get public, uh, get publications. I want to, you know, whatever. So those were a couple of them. Um, I want to have my own studio. Um, I want to photograph models. I want to, what else did I want to do at the time? The, the big ones, I think the big, so one of the things that I actually did was I said, I've never made more, I've never made more than 40 or $50,000 a year. I am not going to stop photography or at least I'm not, I'm going to give myself permission to quit only after I have grossed six figures or more in a year. And the year that I did that, I kind of reflected back and I said, I photographed some celebrities. I got published. I, you know, I have won awards. I hit everything. I did it. I did it. And then I said, okay, now what? (laughs) And I said, okay, well, now that I hit a hundred thousand, do I want to hit 250? No, not really. Well, do I want to hit a million? No, not right. Really? Do I want to photograph more celebrities? No, not really. And I just, and it was just sort of like this, what did I do? The drive's gone. And that's, and that's when I was in search. And then that's when I'm like, well, what, what haven't I done yet? And I haven't written a book and the rest is history. Was that a scary moment for you at all? When you lost the drive? Terrified. Absolutely terrified. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I was in San Diego. I had the biggest job uh, of my life working with a Fortune 500 company. They flew me down there. I'll never forget it. Flew me down first class. Uh, I got a hotel suite in like this five-star hotel for for a few days. and And I got to photograph for a couple of days. It was like the time of my life. I'm looking out the balcony at this beautiful overlooking San Diego, the sunset. And I'm like, I hit everything. I hit everything. I'm I'm euphoric. And the next day I woke up and I was like, what do I do now? And for the next year I was trying. So 2017, I was trying to fall back in love with photography. I would do all the photo shoots that gave me juice and that inspired me and et cetera. And I'm like, Nope, that ain't it. Then I would try and get bigger jobs and I got them and I'm like, okay, this is going to do it. I'm going to be, this is going to be a big one. And I'm talking like $50,000 jobs yeah, for projects. And I'm like, and I, and I did it. And I'm like, nope, that ain't either. Oh, man. And so all of 2017, I was grieving. 
It was a legitimate grief. And in 2018, people, now I did too good of a job. I stopped marketing the business, but all my old clients came back and they kept asking me for more work. And so I'm like, well, this is, I'm going to make money, but I'm not going to grow the business. But the business kept growing. Even in 2019, it was my biggest year oh, in wow. photography. And I was like, I'm like, um, I haven't, I did zero marketing. I worked maybe four hours, five hours a week. And I made more money in the company than I ever did. And I'm like, okay, well, at least I have all this time to spend with my kids. I can raise them. But more importantly, I can figure out the next thing. But to answer your question, yes, I was grieving because this was the love, the passion of my life. And I thought this was it. And I come to find that this was only a chapter. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people set that finish line for themselves. Like when I graduated, <clears throat> when I graduated college, like two years ago, um, my finish line was, oh, graduate with like a cum laude and get a job right out of college. And it was like, I did that and I was super happy with it. And it, I remember like my first day at work, I'm like, okay, is this how the next 40 years of my life is going to be like, like I need to set some goal for myself. And, and I see a lot of people doing that nowadays. They say, if I hit this goal, this is like a golden ticket. And I'm, they correlate success to happiness. I was going to say that um, Tony Robbins said it great. He said, progress equals happiness. Like the, like they say, like the cliche, it's not the destination. It's the, it's the daily road that you travel that really because again once you hit that there's another level to something totally. if you hit a million dollars you can hit two you can hit five you can hit ten i mean look at look at uh jeff bezos a hundred billion dollars a hundred i don't even, i don't think anyone can fathom what a hundred billion dollars would even look like and this man has hit it and he's still growing. He's still expanding. Warren Buffett, he's 90 years old and he still works. And I mean, last year I actually had the unique privilege of feeling what retirement looked like. I actually mm. got to experience retirement. I hated it. Hated every minute of it. In and what sense? I worked one day and it covered my entire month's worth of expenses. Oh, wow. That's One nice. day. <laughs> And I was just like, I don't have to work for the rest of the month if I decide not to. And I decided not to. And I'm like, I'm going to experience retirement. And I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> like, this, is, yeah. this really sucks. And I realized it's like people look forward to retirement because they are retiring from something that they don't enjoy. Mm. If, you in, if you create a life, if you create an occupation, if you create a business with something that you enjoy, why would you ever quit? Why would you ever want to leave it? So that's why I'm addicted to business. If this business fails, I'll just create another one. I always say that if I'm going to work for someone insane, it's going to be me <laughs> because I get to reap the rewards and I get to design the life that I would want. And I'm doing it from bliss and joy, not necessarily from a have to, but I also get to earn money doing it. Exactly. And, and there's beauty in the struggle, you know? So it's like, and growing that business, I'm pretty sure uh, you were kind of alluding to it earlier in terms of like, parenting and entrepreneurship being similar, like watching that baby grow up and hit all its goals. That's probably a really fulfilling thing. So let's get into that. So CEO parent. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously you were talking about how parenting and entrepreneurship are related. Uh, one in five, one out of five people in the U S who are parents today are now stay at home parents. Uh, they used to be working and now they're just staying at home. 
and they're like, my family's my priority. And they don't ever think that they could separate their business life from their family life. And you're really kind of just trying to overcome that stigma. Yes. Um, it's, it's kind of like twofold though, because if you go on YouTube, a lot of, a lot of examples of success in entrepreneurship, it's the work harder than your competition. Yeah. Grind work 26 hours a day. Just keep hustling. Just keep at it. And it's like, well, that's nice, but I've got kids. And I feel like there are very few resources. There are actually a lot of parents out there that are promoting entrepreneurship and showing how to do it. Um, but to scale in terms of reaching a, a wide range audience to the point where the average parent says, oh, yeah, there's this guy that promotes it. And this can be like, Again, aspirationally, this could be worldwide. It doesn't have to be me, but if I can be a catalyst for it, so be it. And so how I see it is it's this um, FUBU-like quality where FUBU was originally this for us, by us brand. And for me, I'm trying to create something very similar where it's for parents, by parents. It's I So if you tell me you have a two-year-old, I know exactly how you feel. If someone who is seasoned, who has kids that are, you know, grown up and have their own kids and their grandparents and they have their own business and they say, oh yeah, I just met somebody who has a teenager, they can relate and provide information that pertains to them. Like for, I, I talked to a, a friend of mine the other day and she goes, Jeremy, how do you do it? Like I, like, how did you write a book when you had a newborn? And she said, I like, my mind can goes blank on any given day. And my, my kid's already six months. And I said, well, here's the thing. Your mom, moms have a different role than dads for better or for worse. I didn't make it up. I didn't write the rules. Like your body is physically groomed to nurture a, ch a child. So you have a different role. And more importantly, the child is going to be more dependent on you than dad mm -hmm. for better or for worse. Now there are exceptions to the rule, except and role as dad. And again, I'm being very, very general here. And when I was speaking to her, I'm like role of dad, my role is to support mom and to support child, but it's not a 24 seven gig because I can't breastfeed because yeah. the baby doesn't want me. He or she wants mom. So I had the luxury of stepping out for a little bit to work on this book. And she goes, that makes a lot of sense. And I said, and that's information that you can't find on YouTube. Like it's, it's, it's pertaining to her specific situation. And I was able to provide a perspective that got her to just go, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. It's not that I don't have enough drive to write a book or to do other things. It's just, this is my current situation. It's like, okay, yeah. And I'm, I'm giving you permission. If, even if you don't ask for it, I'm giving you permission to just exhale and give yourself a pat on the back and say, there's going to be more time. You're okay. Yeah, exactly. The, the two to the terrible twos to like, <laughs> only last so long. I don't have kids. <laughs> 
I'm only 23. <laughs> don't expect to have any anytime soon. But yeah, I mean, I I could only imagine what she feels. Um, going into that a little further, so you were kind of saying there's not a lot of, I guess, parent entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who talk about kind of their parenting life um, on the side to just general people who maybe have aspirations similar to your friend. Uh, why do you think that is? Is that kind of just like a, a social taboo? Like, don't tell me about my life when you got to worry about yours. Or do you think it's just kind of a, um, you know, back in the the older generations, they probably didn't have as many tools as available as there are today. Great question. Um, to be honest, I don't know. I, again, I can say that the movement is happening. Mm-hmm. The term mompreneur, dadpreneur, dad 2.0, there are movements now um, that are catering to more parents. And it could be as simple as generational access. So the education that came before us were more tradi- like did not have the internet. So I'm going to say it this way. My parents did not have access to the internet growing up. So they did not have the knowledge of how to utilize technology in a way that would support parenting. Let's just say that influence trickled down to me up to a certain point. And then I had to put the connect the dots together to say, wait a minute, there there are more parents that are stay at home parents now. There are more dads that are stay at home parents now, and they have the potential to create something else other than parenting for themselves. Wait a minute, why isn't there any information out there like that? Okay, there's a little bit of information, but I had to search for it. Why isn't this common knowledge? Is it possible for me to be part of the movement? Do I want to? And the progression continues up to the point where it's like, okay, let's do it. Got it. Yeah, I mean, general, generally, uh, generational resources, that's probably a really big part of it. Um, my parents always tell me things like when they were, a little younger, they had to go to school to actually register in, in person with paper. And now we can just do it online, for example, you know, and, and just access to careers back then. I mean, um, I think a lot of people forget that, like, maybe a lot of the baby boomers, you know, we were still in the Cold War era and, and there were um, different types of jobs back then. Like, I don't think business was as focused on as it is today. Well, so if, okay, I'm going to speak very broadly and uneducated in this topic from, but from what I understand, education was designed to create factory workers. They were to create systemized workers who depended on security. It wasn't, they, they were, I mean, this is why you have, curriculum that say, okay, this box fits you into being a doctor. This box fits you into being a lawyer. This box teaches you how, you know, about philosophy, etc. And we have these boxes for very specific systems called occupations. And 
within these systems, when you go into school, they teach you how to do a specific skill. Then you apply that into a very specific set of circumstances called psychology, being a psychiatrist, psychologist, being a um, auto mechanic, being a whatever. Mm-hmm. I think this pandemic and overall, because this is now worldwide, has introduced this concept of hustle more than anything else. Like, again, people are so, there's this badge of honor, like I have a hustle. And I'm like, I just called that life for years. Like, why is this now a cool thing? I've been grinding miserably and now it's this badge of honor. It's because we we are now introduced to it where if the system breaks, you're effed. But now that the system is broken from the perspective that you can know if, if you are, if you are, a, um, I don't know, a doctor and your primary way of adding value to people is personal touch. So let's just say a massage therapist or a hairstylist. Like if you're, if you are groomed into a very specific box or let's just say a, a, a coding person or a tech person who you have to work or that's not a good idea because you can work remotely, but you get the idea where you have to work where there's physical touch involved and then you can no longer touch people, say, AKA a massage therapist. What do you do? Because your business model is, or even restaurants, like the only way that, you know, restaurants work is that people come in, they make money on the booze, sometimes the food. Exactly. So if they don't come in for that, how do you make money? And so when the, when the system breaks, you are now asked you are now in survival mode and now we are stumbling upon this thing called business and entrepreneurship. So I believe that COVID and this idea of quarantine and, you know, shelter in place has given us more of a reason to explore working from home, setting your own schedules, and even being in this uh, mindset that, okay, business is now viable for me. For better or for worse, because there's nothing else we can do. 1000% agree with you. Um, I kind of call it the golden ticket mentality, where a lot of people, they think, hey, once I graduate, you know, maybe from this massage therapist school, I have no idea what the name is. I apologize. But, you know, or or whatever box you, you know, your PhD or your master's and you get the, you're going to get a job and then that's it pretty much, you know. But what happens when that doesn't work? I think we've seen, um, a lot of people have seen like, okay, college is the answer. You need to go to college to and get your degree to, I guess, succeed in life. And then you see different people speaking out on it. Uh, for example, Elon Musk, he announced something a couple months ago, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to hire people. Even if you just graduate high school, Correct. really just depends on, you know, the tests you take and your creativity and, and your lack, lack for lack of sense hustle pretty much. Um, I, I totally agree with you that, I think COVID-19, like I know there are a lot of people who are probably working remotely right now and they're enjoying it because they get to spend (laughs) extra time with their family or they don't need to drive to work. Um, You know, if you're living in LA or San Francisco and hitting traffic every day, you're probably saving a couple extra hours a day. Um, One of the things that we were kind of talking about earlier is you believe everybody should be an entrepreneur. And I think that there are some people who get intimidated by it because of their background. They may be in the medical field and they say, I know nothing about business. I know 
filing for an LLC costs like $800. You know, I'm not going to waste that type of money. Um, what's your stance on that? If you were to go a little further. Oh yeah. Oh man. Okay. Here we go. So <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a wonderful friend who was there. She, um, we had this conversation and she, Jill, if you're listening, love you. Um, we had this conversation and she said, Jeremy, I am not a business owner. I've tried. It's just not for me. I, it's not my DNA. I'm not you. And the long story short, I ended up throwing a couple of zingers and possibilities. And she goes, that sounds fun. And I said, what if I can get people to pay you for that? She goes, really? And I said, guess what that is? That's a business. And she's like, real? She goes, oh my, that's true. Oh my, oh, I hate you. Because you could just see there was a light bulb that hit. What did I say? I'm glad you asked. So what I <laughs> said was, um, what I've learned over the years is that there are three types of business owners. And people don't realize this. There are three types. There is the artist. So uh, I'm going to use this analogy. And I was given this. So by no means is this my original thought, but I love it so much. I'm going to use it. So there is the artist. If you follow basketball, there's a, uh, in the Golden State Warriors, I'm in the San Francisco Bay. So the San Francisco Golden State Warriors, um, there's a guy named Steph Curry. He his he's an artist. His artistry is to dribble around, make people fall, and shoot three pointers from the parking lot. That is his art. That is his, his expression. He is an artist. Most people, when they start a business, are artists: photographers, cleaners, coders, graphic designers, whatever. Their art. That is their art. They create a craft. The second type of business owner is the manager leader. Their primary role is to manage the artist. The, this for, all, for this example, the artist or the uh, manager leader in this example is Steve Kerr, the coach. And again, their job and their art is to support the artists. They don't have a value, but they see the world in terms of systems. They are optimizers. They're supporting roles. They are behind the scenes, but integral part of the business. So if you have a, uh, so my wife, for instance, she is a, uh, a supporting role. Okay. For better, for worse. And I actually gave her another business idea that she's rolling with, but she sees things in processes and that's how she sees. And that's how she supports. The third type of business owner is the entrepreneur, the truest sense of an entrepreneur. Their role is focusing on whether or not the business, uh, the business manager leader and the artists can make money. Their job is finance. They see numbers. Their job is to make sure that the business is profitable so that the uh, artist does not have to worry about having a roof over his or her head and to make sure that the uh, manager leader has the resource, uh, resources to support the artist. If in a perfect business, you have all three. 
most people, when they start a business, think that they have to be the artist. And for the manager leaders of the world, they struggle because it's like, well, I don't know how to do anything. I enjoy arts and crafts, but I don't want to create a business from it. It's like, well, you don't have to. But what if you were to manage other people who do arts and crafts and you were to manage their social media or you were to manage their profitability in some area, et cetera, et cetera. And that, well, I don't want to do any of this stuff. I just want to make sure the business makes money. That's the entrepreneur. They come into the play like, okay, well, let's go and take a look at this business and let's see where we can optimize to make it more profitable. I'm going to focus on margin because I love margin. So when you look at yourself in this context, and by the way, the, um, the, uh, example, you have the artist, Steph Curry, you have the manager leader, Steve Curry, you have the owner, Joe Lacob. He took, he spent, I don't even know the number, million, hundreds of millions of dollars and turned it into a four or $5 billion company within five years. Yep. That was and his built a stadium. And then he just built it. Yeah. They built the stadium yep. in my backyard and now <laughs> I get to see it. And now I get to exp- experience the traffic when we get to go to games again. So when you see yourself as an individual and you're hearing this podcast and it's like, okay, what am I? If you enjoy money and you have no skill and you don't want to manage anybody, guess what? You're the entrepreneur. If if you are the person who just loves to dance. So I actually saw this, uh, this interview, I I attended this conference and there's these three guys who created um, Zumba, Uh, the Zumba dance video people and they were all friends. There were three of them and they were all named the same names. I forgot their names, but one of them talked and they're like, how did this start? And one is like, well, I was just dancing. And then I did this class and more and more people just showed up and I just kept on dancing and that, and I just kept on making money. There's the artist. And one of my friends, he just looked and he's like, we should do something this with this. And, you know, we could go and, uh, we can create videotapes. I want to support you on this. And that, oh, there's the manager leader. Oh, but we, you know, we were doing all of this. We didn't know if we were going to be profitable. Oh, we had, a, we knew a friend and he came in, he just worked on the books. Oh, there, there's the, there's the entrepreneur. And it just worked that all three of these guys naturally created the perfect business because they all had their roles. So if you find yourself want, like they, you love money, your job is to find an artist and look at them and say, you have a great idea. I can create profit from that. Can I help you create profit? And I'm going to just, if, if you're doing a hundred thousand right now, I know that I can get you to a million. Let me do that. And these were shark tank people come in because they become entrepreneurs. This is what I do now. I see artistry because I ran out of ideas. <laughs> like <laughs> I ran Rich out of ideas. I, you know, I'm like, I can't do much. Like, this is what I can do now. And I'm not, I'm pretty sure no one's going to pay me to do that, but I can see people's strengths. And I said, okay, let me be the manager leader and let me be the entrepreneur for you. And now that is my art is to service and help other artists out there. Or if you say, I don't, what I believe is, is efficiency. If you love efficiency and if you love the idea of making sure that things are streamlined, this is my friend, Jill. She goes, Oh, I love creating systems. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds awful. It's like, but I'm so glad I know you 
because I'm like, how would you like to help me with my being efficient? She goes, really? Oh, I love that. Sounds amazing. That sounds fun. Now, you know, you're a manager leader and your job is to find the artist and find the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur makes sure that we're profitable and the artist makes sure that he or she is doing their craft and art in a way where you get to manage everything. And that's how you find how you are in, how you can find your business. Totally agree. Those are three really good, I guess, just examples that that you just gave out. Playing devil's advocate a bit. Hit me. Yeah. So, you know, let's just say I'm just a Generation Z person. I want to start a business. And I look at my social media. You know, I get my friends to follow me. So I have like 200 followers for my new business. Yep. But I didn't go to college, so I don't have these. I, I was in the medical field. I don't have like these business skills that they supposedly teach at college in quotations. Sure. And on top of that, you know, there's these people who are like influencers. They have thousands and thousands of followers. Who's going to look at my product? You know, okay. uh, what, what would you have to say to that? So the first thing I would ask is what is your product or service and who does it actually serve? Um. What most people don't realize is that even the biggest companies started out niche or niche. I say niche. I like the word niche. I think it's niche, like quiche. Okay. You know? yeah, so. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Say so, thank you. Great minds yeah. think alike. Yep. <laughs> so PayPal, for example. PayPal didn't start, you know, and PayPal, PayPal has Venmo. And PayPal didn't start out with Venmo. PayPal didn't start out with helping everybody. Their goal, their their claim to fame was targeted towards eBay. You know, and when eBay first started, it was an auction house. It was the purest form of an auction house. Once the once the auction was over, someone had to send a check, wait seven days, seven to ten days to get it cleared, and then they went and um, shipped the item. Well, if you're a professional auctioneer, seven to ten days is a long time. So PayPal came in and they said, we will verify the funds for you. You just click, we'll take care of the rest. They will apply with us and we will verify their bank account. We will verify their funds or whatever they did. And you just click and now it is instantaneous. You get the money and then you can ship the the item immediately. That's how PayPal started. They started niche with only eBay auctioneers. Once the business became viable, they started going into more merchant stuff like that. And then now they created Venmo, which is how we do business or how we exchange money now. So when people think, oh my goodness, I see all these people with millions of followers and I only have my friends and family. Good. The reality is, is that whatever business you are creating, whatever product or service you are, you have, you have to start niche. Facebook, Facebook started with Harvard, Harvard alumni and you had to be invited in. I, when I first started on Facebook, I had to be invited in because, and say that I was, uh, went to SF state and someone who was already in had to invite me in, who was also from SF state. It was alumni. And when you start niche. What ends up happening is you don't need 10,000 people. You're not playing a numbers game. You're playing a community game. So let's just, let's just paint a different picture. 
you have 200. Let's just say that the 200 people who organically followed you were not your friends and family. I actually have seen profiles that had, you know, they were, they were, they're models. Again, I'm in the photography space. So I saw a model. She had 1700 followers. She would post a picture. She would get over 300 likes and over a hundred comments. That person has a following. From a statistical perspective, those numbers are high. That's like 20%. That's high for engagement. That's mm-hmm. natural. She has a following. Now let's actually play things in a very interesting way. Let's just say you have 200 people and you have that type of engagement. If you had 200 people that believed in you and followed you and loved your product or service and you had them in a room and they listened to you and they believed you, do you think that you can create an impact to where they can help you grow your audience and maybe 400 people or buy your product or service? We think about things in scale terms of, yeah, the internet has made global access. So things have been, have been askewed. So let's just make this more human. If you had 50 people following you that truly believed in who you are, or let's even make it better, 100, your first 100 people that truly believed in your mission, who you are, and are raving fans, and they are all now sitting in an audience and you're talking to them. That's what social media is, but let's just make it live. And you're in front of them. You have a hundred people that are listening to you. That's huge. So whatever you say to them has impact because they are following you. So when you put it in in that perspective, a hundred people is a lot if you have the right people. Does that that help? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah. I think that there is um, just a lot of comparisons nowadays, you know, Uh, especially I think everybody tries to be an influencer. A lot of people equate, hey, I have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, uh, even if you're only drawing in like a thousand likes every time. But they compare that to success. And wow, you're popular. You're cool. You know, and um, I, I don't think it's a true narrative of how business actually works. I'll say this. I have a friend who uh, privied me to those successful entre- you know, business owners. There was a gentleman who I don't even know who it is, so I couldn't even claim to. But this is what he told me. He said, you know, I know a, a DJ who has a million followers. And I don't know anything about DJs. Like, I don't know anything. So <laughs> I, I listen to 90s and 80s music. And so I'm good. I don't know. I don't know anything about DJ. So this person had a million followers. They were broke and they had no purpose or drive, but they had to keep up the facade so that people would continue to follow them and like them and whatever the case. Online success. Success is what what, 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 the problem. I believe the biggest issue that people have these days is, is that we don't take the freedom we are given to define our success. Because the goal, if your goal is to get a million followers, my ask, my question is why? What does that do for you? Mm-hmm. It, does it validate your existence? 
Does it make you feel better? So that means you are now dependent on their responses. So now you are catering to them. Does that sound like the life you want? Is it because you want to make a hundred thousand dollars? What if I told you that you don't need a million followers? What if I only told what if I told you that to make a million dollars, you need a thousand followers? What if I told you that was true? What if I told you you needed zero followers? I'll tell you this when I created a six figure business in photography, I didn't use social media. People are like, what? If you look at my Instagram account, I don't use it. Which was odd because I was ranked one of the top um, 10 photographers in the Bay in, in the Bay Area from my Instagram account. I'm like, how? I don't use the thing. I'm like, how, <laughs> how did I end up there? So the biggest trap that people fall into, like you said, is the comparison. And they do not exercise the freedom of defining success for themselves. And success is very simple. What do you want to experience? 1000%. Yeah, totally agree with that. And that's one of the things that you're kind of helping people do now with with in, in terms of the parent space. So I mean, it's kind of like you were saying, obviously, parenting is a, a much bigger niche than than when Facebook first started, because there's a lot of people who are parents out there. But I'm kind of wondering with CEO parent, is it one of those things where you have a defined plan and you tell them, you know, this is how to do it? Or is it more of like, what are your goals, you know, and, and how can I help you in that aspect? It's a great question. So CEO parent was created and this is my fault. I created something for a community. I don't know if they, I don't know if it exists and if I don't, and I don't know if they want the product. So I am in the space of throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks. Which isn't a bad thing. You know? Oh, I enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah. Um, because in this space, I get to learn and I enjoy learning. I love learning. I read books. I've, I've averaged reading one book every one and a half to two weeks since the year started. I love read. I love learning. And in this process, I am learning about what do people, parents specifically really need. And I spoke with someone earlier today and she's like, Jeremy, I'm thinking about wholesaling this and then what are the case. And as the the conversation continued, she realized she didn't even want to do wholesaling. Hmm. And by the end of the conversation, she goes, I feel amazing. I'm like, that's the point. Now you have your path. You don't need my program. You don't even need my help. Nor did, nor was I planning on pitching you anything. We needed to get to the root of what do you need? My specific niche. So I target parents, but more specifically, I'm targeting parents who have tried business and couldn't figure out the recipe because they figured out that they have something and, or I am also targeting parents who have now experienced COVID to the point where they are now curious of whether or not they can create a business, but they don't know how to, but they don't know what they want to create or how to do it. Mm -hmm. Those are my two niche markets. And so it's sort of like you take this whole thing of, parenting as a niche market. And now there's a subset to that. And then there might be another subset to that. And the low, the more narrow the pie or the better you become because now it's focused and that's what I've done. And so with, to answer your question from a program perspective, I've created this program where I will help again, be your um, entrepreneur or um, manager leader partner. And I will get you from your idea 
to your first sale. If I can get you from your idea to your first sale, everything in the middle is the branding, the marketing, the strategy, where you come in, the automation, et cetera. And now it becomes a rinse and repeat business. Go off and be merry. Amazing. That's awesome to hear. And I'm, I'm sure you'd be helping a lot of other people out with that. As we were kind of mentioning, it, it's okay to throw spaghetti at the wall. I'm even doing that with this, the podcast. There's yeah. people being from business, yeah. people who are entrepreneurs, people who you know, are in the health field even, uh, just because I like to pick their mind. And I'm, it may sound selfish of me, but I like to talk with other intellectuals like yourself. Uh, but one thing that you were kind of mentioning is like, in the parent space, you don't know if there's even like a group out there who are parents and they want to be entrepreneurs. So I, I guess I'm curious, you probably have a lot of, uh, you know, you probably have a lot of great ideas and, and a vision for what you want. What are your next steps, you know, in the next couple of months? and so on. So right now I'm building a team. So as you can see, I have my, my fancy setup as well. And uh, I'm starting my own podcast um, as well. I'm basically interviewing, it's twofold. I'm interviewing parents who have businesses. And my goal is to have them share how they did it um, and to show the viability of creating businesses. Uh, the other thing that I'm doing is I'm creating a team of people to help create a community, whether that's through social media, whether that's through one-on-one, but I am reaching out to individuals, obviously parents or even non-parents because chances are they know parents Mm -hmm. and I'm having the authentic one-on-one conversations and I get to learn. It's like, look right now I I'm in a space where I have these ideas. I have all this value to give and I want to help people, but I need to. And when I help enough people, I'm going to see the common thread. And so my recipe right now is just to reach out. You know, I I get to talk to people and I get to say, Hey, how's it going? My name is Jeremy. I am a parent. I, create businesses and I help other parents create their businesses and create their life, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's kind of as simple and easy as that. Cause again, I personally do not like being on social media from the perspective of like doing this. Yeah. I think that's dreadful. Mm-hmm. I think that's awful. I do not <laughs> want to do again. I created a photo. I created a six figure photography ten. business. Top 10. Top 10 in the Bay Area. And I didn't use social media because I don't like it. That is an experience. I tried. I tried and I'm like, this is I. This now becomes work. And I don't want to work. I want to have fun. And so how do I do, how do I spread the word of entrepreneurship to parents by minimizing the amount of social interaction I have on social media? Well, the podcast is a start. So as I'm doing this with you, I get to spread the good word of entrepreneurship. I have my own podcast. I will have highlight reels. When I talk to these people, I'm going to have, I'm going to presume they're going to share this with their network and slowly, but surely as time progresses, I'm playing the game of attrition and I am, and I'm having fun doing it and something will hit. 
it's going to be a fun journey. Trust me. You're going to enjoy it. Here, all day, every day. Thanks for coming on, man. Is there anything you'd like to plug in? Uh, what, what's the podcast name for people who are, are curious about it and uh, would want to tune in and when it's going to be released and all that and yes. anything else you want to plug in? No. So um, thank you for having me. I think uh, what you're doing is fun. I think it's great. And you know, if you're having fun with this too, keep doing it. I, this is a great conversation, you know, um, for me personally, so uh, website is up. It's called ceoparent.com. Uh, the podcast is going to be called The Talk. My uh, line in every episode moving forward is going to be, parents, it's time for us to have The Talk. With a baby crying in the back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're going to make yeah. it real. Yeah. And um, you will be able to find the podcast on there. If everything goes right, it'll also be on Spotify and iTunes. I'm still figuring that out. Um, it'll probably, we'll have YouTube videos as well. So we're going to, again, we're going to go all out and wherever the parents are and they respond, if they respond to YouTube, guess what? We're going to be on YouTube. If they respond to Instagram, guess what? We're going to be on Instagram. Uh, another thing that I'm going to be creating soon is uh, something called the Parent Business Collective. It's going to be a Facebook community where I'm going to, get a bunch of parents who already have businesses. And my desire is to attract parents who desire to have businesses. And now you have a community. We're gonna, I'm going to fill it with people who want to help, who want to support other parents. We're going to leverage the parent community in a way where we get to focus on something that is for us in terms of business. That's such a great initiative, man. Um, make sure to let me know when that's out. I'll, I'll share it with my network and everything. And thank you so much for coming on again. I'll make sure to put all the links in the description below, especially when they're released, because I know some of them are kind of a work in progress. But thank you, everybody, for listening. If you guys enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave a rating or a review, and I'll see you guys in the next one.